The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Welcome, welcome. It's nice to practice with you all. So tonight I'd like to build on this theme that I did um, last week on Friday. I ended with this theme on kindness. And I'd like to kind of uh, maybe build on that, this idea of kindness. And I'm influenced by uh, Sharon Salzberg. And she has a book, if I remember correctly, it's called The Force of Kindness. So many of you may know that she's well known for loving kindness practice. She's one of the main people that brought it to the West and popularized it here in the West. But uh, Sharon points out that we may think that kindness rates pretty low on these characteristics that we think people should have. I mean, it's... We also think that maybe like an intellect or a sharp wit or beauty or invulnerability or power or authority or, you know, all these other things must, certainly must be more important than kindness. And if you look at, you know, our media, what we see and all kinds of media, right, we get this message that pff, kindness, that's not really valued. But it is. Right? In our lives, it's valued. But in so many ways, we get this message that it's somehow, maybe it seems wimpy. <laughs> like, <laughs> kindness is something that you do if you can't have a sharp intellect or uh, wit or beauty or power or something like this. Like, oh, okay, well, at least you, this person is kind. At least I can be kind. It's kind of the message that we see showing up in so many different ways. I I know that sometimes I've uh, felt that with, you know, the movies or TV shows, you know, sometimes like the the sidekick of the really powerful person in media is kind, but, you know, the, the protagonist, the main person is powerful or something like this. So... Maybe there's a way in which we might delegate kindness. It's like, oh, that's a nice old-fashioned virtue. And maybe it's something that... uh, Maybe I'll say this. If we think about the people in our lives who have really touched our lives and whom we respect, we'll see that they were kind. These are the types of people who actually make a difference in our lives. And I know that when I was trying to figure out exactly how old I was, I don't know, maybe 9, 10, 11, somewhere in that range, I had a swim coach who one time asked me, you know, what did I want to be when I grow up? You know, one of those types of questions you ask a kid. And at that time I said, oh, I want to be a stewardess, right? And that was the word that we used back then, right? Just to be a flight attendant. And this coach said, are you sure, Diana? Do you, are you sure that you want to just uh, do something that you, that you really... Not, not? He was trying to encourage me to be think 
big. I don't want to put down anything about flight attendants or stewards. This is fantastic. And somebody in my family is uh, one of those. But he wanted me, oh, now I'm remembering, it was because there was this cute commercial that was on TV, and that was why I wanted to be a stewardess, because <laughs> this commercial. And he was really encouraged me to, like, why not think bigger? And somehow that stayed with me. I can't say that's exactly why I have a PhD in biochemistry, but it's, you know, maybe it's part of the reason why I did think that, you know, maybe there's something more than just what I thought was cute on a TV commercial. But I remember the kindness that he showed me, that he asked and listened to what I had to say and encouraged me to think big. And I think that was something that, uh, you know, all these years later I remember. So maybe all of us have somebody that touched our lives and it was done with some kindness. So even though like we often get the message that, oh, okay, kindness, it's nice to have. And maybe it's if you can't have these other qualities, you can be kind. But actually it turns out to be quite powerful and meaningful and impactful. So, but not only that, what if it turns out that kindness is the daring, bold, powerful thing to do? What if kindness is actually what turns out to require a lot of strength, requires maybe some autonomy, and some knowing like what's important? What if kindness actually turns out to be really bold? Because we all know it's so easy, right, when somebody else is uh, putting a third person down, like, oh, yeah, they annoy me too, and blah, 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 and down we go. Or maybe there's uh, social media, right? We just know it's like practically designed for people to be unkind. It's just ripe with all of that. And what if it's, you know, to be, to stand up for that person and say, well, you know, I think maybe if we give them the benefit of the doubt and in this context, what if they really meant that and they didn't mean what's being interpreted as to be harmful or whatever it might be? So what if, rather than jumping into blaming when things don't go well, which is easy to do. We blame ourselves, we blame others. Uh, all the news, <laughs> I keep on going on about the me- the media, I'll, I'll stop after this, but I do notice that this sometimes our news agencies are designed just about finding who's to blame. That's kind of their, their reason for existence in some ways. But rather than jumping into blaming, what would it be like to have some kindness and have some openness and some warmth. And maybe if we can't have openness and warmth, maybe to not have disdain, to not have this quiet aggression or quiet hostility that often shows up when things aren't going the way that we want it to go or people aren't behaving the way we want it to behave. We want to... Sometimes you like shake them, don't you understand? (laughs) 
what if we just like notice maybe that thought arise in the mind and then just let it go? <laughs> so what would it be like to have a commitment to kindness as part of our practice? Or maybe that is our practice, this commitment to kindness. Which means, of course, kindness to ourselves. So often there's this inner critic that's berating us, making us feel inadequate, and that just spills out to others. They're inadequate and insufficient and not doing it right. And there's this flavor of a a bit of aggression or hostility there, whether it gets acted out. But the point is... That it's kind of there's a way in which there's this closing, this contraction. I know what's better, and you aren't doing it right. Me versus the world, us versus them. I know what's right, and you don't. That's not a comfortable place to be. For a moment, there's this thrill of self righteousness, but. And we always have to prop it up. And oh my gosh, this is not a good life. This is a life filled with trying to make sure everybody sees us exactly the way that we want them to. This is a life of never maybe extending ourselves or taking chances because we want to make sure that we're always looking good. So we might not look good if we try something new. So what if we have this commitment to being kind to not harm. When I was uh, studying Buddhism, I remember this so clearly, that uh, being in a class where I was the only person that practiced uh, this lineage, this tradition of Buddhism, everybody else, they were Buddhists, but in all other traditions, probably every other tradition you can imagine. And the professor asked us, so if you had to sum up one word for Buddhist practice, what would it be? It was surprising that everybody from a different tradition had something different to say. But for me, at that moment, I felt like non-harming. So much about practice is about non-harming. And this non-harming is kind of like There's a lot of letting go that has to happen and the way that we view ourselves and view others. There's all these things that are part of non-harming. I'm not sure I would say the same thing today, but at that time I thought it was. It's such an important part of practice. All these subtle ways in which we are not kind to ourselves sometimes the most and to not others. Even if it's not something that we're doing with our overtly with our behavior. Maybe it's something with our mind that we're doing. And, you know, as I said, kind of we get stuck with, I know it's better. But we might hear this something like a commitment to kindness, and we might hear like, oh, okay, well, I guess I have to be overly nice. <laughs> this way in which we might have this saccharine sweetness, like, oh, yeah, everything's fine. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, that's fine. It's all okay. But there's this overly niceness that actually is not what's being pointed to here. And 
overly niceness is a way we might understand as this spiritual bypassing. It's this way in which we don't want to be with the difficulties. We don't want to acknowledge what's really happening. It's a way that we kind of like get a little bit disembodied and we're just like on the surface. Oh yeah, it's fine. Not recognizing maybe when boundaries have been crossed. Maybe somebody's taking too much of our time or they're taking too much of energy from us or taking what's not, like just crossing boundaries in a way. Maybe it's not even clear to us. But because we want to be overly nice, we'll just say, oh yeah, it's fine. Oh yeah, sure. I'll take your dog to the vet and drop you off at the airport and water your lawn and you know, like all these things and we don't hardly even know them. Maybe they're not even friends of ours. Or I'm just making these up, but these stories. But So I want to make clear that when I'm saying this commitment to kindness, I am not saying being overly nice. And in fact, if we do find ourselves being overly nice then we can just maybe gently ask ourselves, is there something that I'm avoiding? Is there something that I don't want to see? And it might be that we might be something that's uncomfortable that comes up, and maybe we could just acknowledge it with like, okay, that's there. I'm not saying that we have to jump into the most difficult, the most uncomfortable. There can be some skillfulness in not being with it, There's a way in which we might need to behave so that we're not always like holding grudges or that we're not always being filled with bitterness. So can we conduct our life in a way that we can have kindness and take care of ourselves? And it turns out this is not so easy. It turns out this takes real skill and practice and is a a whole practice on itself. And maybe it starts with being kind to ourselves, recognizing, oh yeah, this is hard. I don't know how to set boundaries. I don't know how to say no to whomever. I I don't know how to be anything except trying to please everybody all the time or and just maybe feel that. That's where the kindness starts. It's the recognition of the difficulty of Maybe not being overly nice. But there's a way also that this commitment to kindness as a way of practice can be a clear, like it can be a north star. It can be a clear intention, a a way that can be a thread throughout our life. Like when we feel confused or we don't know what to do or lots of difficulties or whatever is happening in our life. This idea of, okay, if kindness, what's the kind thing to do for myself and for others without indulging and without being overly nice? This is a practice itself, how to be kind without just indulging yeah, I'm not going to do that thing that's difficult uh, because I want to be kind to myself. And not acknowledging maybe the fear that's there or the, maybe it's fear about all kinds of things, what might happen or what if we fail or what if it gets really awkward and uncomfortable. So this 
to have this generosity of heart towards ourselves and towards others. This can be a real like direction for our life and our practice. Because maybe there will be seasons of our life in which we don't have a meditation practice for whatever reason. We don't have time. We don't feel like it fits in our life. So maybe our spiritual practice shows up this way, as using kindness as a direction. And there's a way in which that can provide some stability in our life too. Sometimes we might feel like, I feel so confused, I don't even know what to do. But kindness can be like, okay, this can be like a touchstone. If I wanted to be kind, what would I do? Authentically kind. Embodied kind. This kindness that comes from an embodied place. Not just thoughts, but a place that feels like maybe a mature, a little bit more settled way. And there's a way in that if we were to take kindness, a commitment to kindness as a direction of our life, there's a way in which I, there's a way I'm trying to remember if I have this quote exactly right, and I might not, but this idea of like being the change you wish to see in the world. All of us don't want to have meanness, don't want to have fear-mongering. We don't, nobody really wants that. So even if we take this kindness on as a practice, this is a way in which we can be the change we want to see in the world. If we're waiting for, you know, all the decision makers in the world to be the ones like, okay, we're going to be kind. In fact, there is an International Kindness Day I'm not sure if people are more kind on that day, but you know there have been authorities that got together and say, okay, kindness is important, let's make a day where everybody's going to be kind. Why can't it start with us? Why can't we be the ones to show up with some kindness? Maybe to demonstrate what it looks like to be kind to ourselves, to not always be berating ourselves. Sometimes people get together and they, that's kind of what they talk about is they're berating themselves in some kind of way. Oh, I didn't do this. I should have. And something like that. There's nothing wrong with sharing the difficulties in your life, but is there a way that folded into that can be this quality of care? This quality of warmth. And so this commitment shows up and of course how we act and the things that we say and the things that we think. Body, speech, and mind. And so of course the things that we think, think about others, think about ourselves. I think maybe it's obvious things that we act, we don't do unkind things. Even when we're driving, there have been times that when I've been driving and, you know, somebody is uh, like drifting into my lane and I don't have anywhere else to go and I just can feel like, <gasps> you know, and I feel like, oh, I just, you know, I, I hit the horn, but I, I just feel like this rush of uh, fear, maybe. I don't know what it is, but I'm not feeling kind. I'm feeling maybe afraid at that moment. But if we 
recognize, okay, this is what humans do. Humans make mistakes. Humans aren't perfect. Maybe if we make this commitment to kindness, doesn't mean that we will always be kind. It's something about, in the same way with our meditation practices, we set the intention to be with the sensations of breathing. And that really highlights what the mind does. We notice, oh yeah, the mind likes to do anything except be with the breath. Come back to the breath. Be elsewhere, come back to the breath. In the same way, this commitment to kindness kind of highlights everything that isn't kind in our lives. Kind of shows up the way that we might think about ourselves and think about others. And of course, the right speech, wise speech, includes this idea of, you know, we say things that are truthful, beneficial, timely, and kind. And sometimes to be kind and timely goes together. Sometimes we don't say things right then because we know the person is really sensitive or they're in a place of trying to work things out and they just aren't in a place where they could hear something new or hear something different. But I'd like to share a poem that was inspired by kindness. And this poem is written by Naomi Shihab Nye, who's a fabulous poet. And she grew up in Texas and Jerusalem and Palestine. Three really different places. You know, with a lot of different cultural influences. And she went on her honeymoon, she went down to South America. And she, she and her bus, her, she and her husband were on a bus, taking a bus ride down there. And the bus was attacked and robbed. Everybody was robbed. And one of the passengers died in the, with this robbery. So they're on their honeymoon and this terrible event happens. So afterwards, a kind stranger helped them. And her husband hitchhiked back to a nearby city to get traveler's checks because they didn't have anything. And as Naomi, she had nice, she was waiting for her husband to come back. She wrote this poem. So she's a poet. And I guess this is what poets do when they're in distress, but maybe have been touched by uh, some kindness. So this poem is called Kindness. And it goes like this. Before you know what kindness really is, you must lose things. Feel the future dissolve in a moment like salt in a weakened broth. What you hold in your hand, what you counted and carefully saved, all this must go. So you know how desolate the landscape can be between the regions of kindness. How you ride and ride, thinking the bus will never stop. The passengers eating maize and chicken will stare out the windows forever. Before you learn the tender gravity of kindness, you must travel where the person in a white poncho lies dead by the side of the road. You must see how this could be you. 
how they too were someone who journeyed through the night with plans and the simple breath that kept them alive. Before you know kindness as the deepest thing inside, you must know sorrow as the other deepest thing. You must wake up with sorrow. You must speak to it till your voice catches the thread of all sorrows and you see the size of the cloth. Then it is only kindness that makes sense anymore. Only kindness that ties your shoes and sends you out into the day to mail letters and purchase bread. Only kindness that raises its head from the crowd of the world to say, it is I you have been looking for. And then goes with you everywhere, like a shadow or a friend. This poem is, is, I love it, it's powerful in some ways and it has like some ordinary things like, oh yeah, before you tie your shoes and mail letters and purchase bread or just you're on the bus thinking you're just like everybody else going to wherever you're going. And then she says, so you know how desolate the landscape can be between the regions of kindness. Sometimes it's when they're in our greatest difficulties and the greatest distress is that throws into highlight some of the kindnesses that we've had in our lives. Sometimes we maybe are taking some of them for granted or not even noticing them. So she starts with saying, before you know what kindness really is, you must lose things. This idea that the kindness of people to maybe restore what you thought you had lost and what you really need, what's important to you. And she's talking about literally, you know, money. But there's a way also in which sometimes maybe we felt like we've feel despair or we can't see how we could solve a particular problem. We just can't find our way forward with it. Maybe kindness is a way of maybe helping somebody to see a little bit bigger or to see something that they hadn't seen before that's maybe a little bit smaller, a detail. So this idea, before you know what kindness is, you must lose things. Maybe there's a way in which having a commitment to kindness, we have to lose some of our beliefs. Our belief systems are thinking that kindness is wimpy. Or maybe we have to think lose this idea that only certain people deserve kindness. Or maybe we have to lose the idea that I don't really deserve kindness. Or maybe we have to lose the idea that other people won't be kind to us. Maybe we're expecting the absolute worst of everybody, so we have a chip on our shoulder and people are maybe even frightened of us or don't even want to talk to us. So this commitment to kindness, maybe we have to lose some of the beliefs or ideas or notions that we have. Maybe we have to like accept that life 
has good things and bad things. It has awful things and beautiful things. And can we accept the reality of the moment? It's like this right now. Not what I want, not what I wished for, but it's like this. And there's a way of kindness to ourselves. Maybe in an abstract way, we could even say kindness to reality, to stop denying it, to stop turning away. Like, actually, it's like this right now. I feel awful. Sometimes we might even like turn towards experiences. Maybe we don't feel awful. Maybe there's just something that's, you know, a little bit annoying. A sound that's a little bit annoying. When we're trying to meditate, don't they know this is my time to meditate? Why are there those sounds? Maybe there's a little bit of uh, hostility or some disappointment or aggression or something like this. Maybe a commitment to kindness is having this acceptance or this allowance, like, yeah, okay, there's even things that we don't prefer, things that show up the way they show up, uninvited. Or maybe some of this acceptance is part of, uh, due to discouragement when we can't, help somebody else in a way that we think that would be the most helpful or in a way that feels comfortable for us and we feel discouraged. Maybe it's a family member or somebody really important to us. We can come back to remembering that we can be kind to ourselves and to them, to them and to ourselves. And maybe the kindness is just listening. Maybe the kindness is not leaving. And having a commitment to kindness requires finding out if, can we be strong and be kind? Can we be powerful and be kind? Is there a way that we can be smart and know actually what's the answers and be kind? I have a a friend who uh, knows a lot about computers. I, I I know enough about computers too. But... This, my friend is really kind, except when it comes to computers. <laughs> this person is like, no, it's like this, and then do that, and then click, and then, oh my gosh, don't you know? So there's, is there a way in which you can recognize that, okay, you have a body of knowledge that maybe somebody else doesn't know, but can you share it with kindness instead of impatience or insistence, like, why don't you know this, gee, or, you know, or something like this? So this commitment to kindness, can we be kind to ourselves at the same time being kind to others, not having to choose one or the other, but to take the time and maybe the, I'm going like this with my hands because it requires some spaciousness to, to lean into and figure out what is kind to both me and them. Sometimes we feel like we have to choose 
Okay, well, to be kind to them, I have to sacrifice what I want or sacrifice ideas I have, my preferences, which is true, right? Sometimes we do compromise. That's entirely appropriate. But is there a way in which we can feel what's kind for everybody here? And having this commitment to kindness, as I mentioned, makes, you know, just recognizing that we won't do it perfectly. Of course we won't. Humans make mistakes. Humans can be unkind to others. We can be unkind to ourselves. We don't always know the right thing to do. And we can be impatient, and we don't always remember the lessons that we learned yesterday. Some of these lessons we have to learn over and over again. Sometimes, you know, we do have reactions, and we just get caught up in them, and kindness just isn't available. So having this commitment to kindness means that when we realize that we haven't fulfilled that commitment, that we are kind to ourselves when we don't have meet, maybe meet expectations we've had for ourselves. And so can we just recommit? Okay, yep, that wasn't kind. <laughs> okay, I'm going to try this again. Or I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to abandon this whole idea of having kindness as a north star or a direction to go. And then maybe I'll end with this poem. And the title is On International Kindness Day. So that's how I know there's an International Kindness Day. That's the title of this poem. The poet is Rosemary Traumer. And uh, it goes like this. Kindness went out and got itself a new engine. A twin-turbo, premium, unleaded, V6-cylinder engine. Something with real oomph. Something that provides a bit of giddy-up when the going gets tough. Turns out, kindness likes horsepower. A lot of horsepower. Plus, it sprung... for direct fuel injection to maximize its power output. Everyone thinks kindness prefers things quiet and calm, but kindness is ready for action, ready to take on the world, ready to travel every back road, every highway, every main street, and get this ever-loving show on the road. There's a whole lot of work to do. So I kind of like this, the playfulness of this, right? Sometimes we do, th- I started saying, well, sometimes we think it's wimpy, or sometimes we think it always has to be calm and quiet, but maybe there's a way that, you know, this power or strength to kindness. So maybe I'll end with that. And if you, I'll open it up if there's some questions or comments, if anybody has something they'd like to say. Diana, there's a comment in the um, chat. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a quote, and it doesn't say where it's from, but I assume it's the Buddha. It says, monks, these two people are hard to find in the world. Which two? The one who is first to do a kindness and the one who is grateful for a kindness done and feels obligated to repay it.
Can you say it? Can you read it again? Yes. Monks, these two people are hard to find in the world. Which two? The one who is first to do a kindness and the one who is grateful for a kindness done and feels obligated to repay it. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I'm not familiar with this quote. And I'm not sure that would be in the Pali canon, but maybe it is. I'm not even sure the word kindness in Pali. Yeah, I'm not sure that I know, but thank you for the quote. Those of you who don't know, Rich, there's people on the other side of that camera that are <laughs> on YouTube. Does anybody have a comment? You don't have to, of course. Okay, okay. Oh, you, you, yes? When you were talking, when you were talking about the influences when you're young, this summer I've been watching many, many Cary Grant movies <laughs> at the Stanford Theater. I love it. And they're mo- mostly uh, romantic comedies. Uh-huh. But as I think about it, one of the qualities that his characters almost all the time have is a certain kindness. Yeah. And a, and a very strong kindness. You know, he isn't sort of a milk toast character by any means <laughs> in any of the movies, but, you know, he never um, is sort of mean just for the point of being mean, you know. So, so I think he's been one of my early. Uh, mentors in kindness from watching all those movies. Fantastic. Fantastic. Cary Grant, I love this. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. For who, is there any quote that you want to bring from a movie or just in general, just this, his approach is kindness? Yeah, just in general. I don't want to put you on the spot. Yeah. but uh, I, I can't remember one right now. Yeah, that's great. I feel like I want to watch a Cary Grant movie. I haven't seen one in ages. That's very nice. Okay, okay. Thank you all. And I wish you a good uh, rest of the evening and safe travels home. And if you'd like, you're welcome to come up here and talk to me too. Thank you. <laughs>